Entrepreneur on Fire 431. Failures, aha moments, I've made it moments, and the lightning round, seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Up your customer service, increase your efficiency, and never miss an important call again. Go to eofire.com slash sponsors and click on the e-voice link for your 30-day free trial. How do I create a podcast? How do I grow my audience? How do I get great guests? How do I monetize? All these questions and more are answered at podcastersparadise.com. For one price, you will unlock the gate to access all the wonders of Podcasters Paradise. The video tutorials, the forum of fellow podcasters, the private webinars with today's top experts, and more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to podcastersparadise.com today. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, David Meerman Scott. David, are you prepared to ignite? John, I'm always prepared to ignite, my friend. <laughs> yes. David is a marketing strategist, best-selling author of eight books, including three international bestsellers, advisor to emerging companies, and is a professional speaker on topics including marketing, leadership, and social media. He's an internationalist, having delivered presentations in 37 countries on six continents. Given our listeners just a little overview, David, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. So I spent um, about 15 years in uh, various information companies. I worked for an economic consulting company. I worked uh, as Asia marketing director based in Tokyo for Knight Ritter at the time of the second largest American newspaper company. Uh, I worked as vice president of marketing for a publicly traded company called News Edge Corporation, always in the marketing department. So what I learned how to do was market information, electronic information in particular. And in 2002, I um, jumped into the entrepreneurial world, started my own business, and I focus on writing and speaking and working with companies around the idea of how they can publish content that serves as their marketing. And incidentally, in the introduction, you said that I've spoken uh, to um, uh, 37 countries on six continents. Um, since we since we spoke and you got that introduction last week, I was in Buenos Aires, so I'm um, I'm now up one country. Yes. And and next month I have a speaking gig in Antarctica, so I will hit my seventh continent in which I will have delivered a presentation, assuming all goes the way it's supposed to next month. Wow, that is fascinating, David. Thank you for those updates. And <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to dive into exactly how you came to the place in life where you've delivered what will soon be on seven continents and over 38 countries, great speeches to great entrepreneurs and just business people in general. But before we do, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote because we love getting that motivational ball rolling. So take it away. I'm partial to a quote um, that I deliver in every single one of my speeches. It's my most tweeted quote, and it, it, it is this. On the web, you are what you publish. 
And what I mean by that is if you're publishing great content on the web, you have a blog, you have a great Twitter feed, a great LinkedIn profile, you're doing some videos or whatever it might be, on the web you're great. If you're publishing nothing, then on the web you're nothing. And excuse my language, if you're publishing crap, then on the web that's exactly what you are. So my quote is, on the web you are what you publish. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that, David, because that quote means so much to me being a content producer. I mean, I do seven podcasts a week. I'm doing blog posts. I love to tweet Facebook. So what exactly would you say to the entrepreneur to really embody this quote in the positive? It's real simple. And any, any entrepreneur knows this. The ways that people are solving their problems today is they're going to the search engines, Google and the other search engines, and they're looking for answers to problems or they're looking for companies to do business with or they're looking for products and services that they might want to buy. At the same time, uh, people are going to social networks and asking their friends and colleagues and family members for advice about products or services they might want to buy or whatever it might be. So that means it's critically important that Every organization, especially entrepreneurial organizations who are frequently the, the younger, um, upstart, um, you know, smaller in terms of market share or certainly younger organizations, have an opportunity, if they have the best content out there, to rise in the search engines and get talked about on social networks, much like you or uh, people talk about you, John. So you're challenge as an entrepreneur is to publish the sorts of information that gets indexed by the search engines, the sorts of index, uh, information that gets talked about on social networks, whether that's YouTube videos or blogs or whatever it might be, or a podcast, and then that becomes your marketing. And quite literally, in today's world, you are what you publish. If you're publishing great stuff, then you're great. Mm, love that. So, David, let's do a little transition. Let's shift gears because Entrepreneur on Fire is about the spotlighted guest, and that's you today. And we really want to hear your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, there wasn't always a time that you could claim that you've spoken in over 37 countries and six continents, soon to be 38 and seven. There was a time when you failed or when you faced a massive challenge or obstacle that you really had to dig deep to overcome. Can you tell us a story, David, at some point in your entrepreneurial journey when you had that situation and the lessons that you learned from it? Well, you know, what's interesting in my journey is that um, my, my father and most of my parents, almost all of my parents' friends and both of my brothers and me for the first, first about 15 years of my career, we were all corporate people. You know, we worked for com- big, big companies, you know, Fortune, Fortune 500 style companies and whatnot. Um, and, and so I did that. I was the vice president of marketing of a publicly traded company. I was Asian marketing director for a Fortune 200 size company. And then... In 2002, the company I was working for called News Edge Corporation was acquired by Thompson, now Thompson Reuters. And um, 2002, of course, is right after 9-11. And I lost my job. I was fired. Um, You know, after the company was acquired, they didn't need me anymore. And I thought, well, shoot, I'll just get another vice president marketing job. And the market was terrible to get a new job. It was really, really tough. So I couldn't find... A, a new gig, and and I had been kind of itching to do the entrepreneurial thing, but scared of it. So um, I had a couple of people who were very seriously pushing me in that direction, 
And um, fortunately, actually, I'm very, very fortunate that I was fired. Very, very fortunate that it was a terrible job market and I couldn't find a job because if either of those two things hadn't happened at the same time, uh, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. It's really powerful. You said you had a couple of people that were pushing you in the direction to be an entrepreneur because so often it's the opposite. When you're in corporate America, you have people that are saying, whoa, whoa, that'd be a terrifying jump for you. That'd be a huge mistake. Why were you so fortunate to have these people in your life that were really saying, hey, get out there, David. This is for you. Well, most people were saying that's a terrible idea. My, <laughs> my, my, parent, my parents were mortified. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're a, a corporate geek your whole life, right. um, you know, the last thing you want to do is have your kid go out and try to run their own thing. Um, so the two people who I credit with uh, pushing me over the edge, so to speak, are my wife, Yukari, who always said to me, you know, you should really do something on your own. You should really start your own thing or, 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 or get out there on your own. And the other was a good friend of mine. His name is John Harris. He uh, lives in Tokyo. I lived in Tokyo for seven years. John's been an entrepreneur his entire life. As he calls it, I've been living by my wits for my entire career. <laughs> I, love, I love that kind of description. Uh, and, and, and John and, and my wife, Yukari, who's, who's Japanese, both pushed me in that direction. And both were instrumental in getting me to get my head around the idea that I could also live by my wits. So let's really boil down from that period in your life. What was the major lesson you learned that you can share with Fire Nation right now? The scary part didn't become scary anymore. The scary part for me was, oh, my God, how am I going to feed, feed my family? Oh, my gosh, what, what are people going to think of me if I don't have a big famous company on, written on my business card? Uh, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do if I don't have an office to go to every morning? In fact, I, I overcame that one by getting an office in the, in the little town I live in. Um, so we solved that problem. And, and, I, and I was thinking, you know, this is all really scary and all that but very quickly i ended up generating enough revenue in my little business to make more money than i ever made in the corporate world and that took like nine months so it was very very short runway to get to the point where the financial problem was solved and then i realized i didn't really care what people thought about the fact that i was on my own in this little tiny company no one ever heard of compared to these big famous companies that everyone had heard of that wasn't interesting to me. That wasn't really important to me. Um, and I, I, I was lucky I figured that out. Um, and then, um, ironically, what happened was I started to write books. I've now got um, eight books. Um, my most famous book is called The New Rules of Marketing and PR. Um, that originally came out in 2007. It sold um, something like 350,000 copies in English, and it's in 26 other languages. And it turns out that, no, people don't recognize the name of my little company that's on my business card because um, I'm running my own little thing. Uh, and no, I don't work for a big famous company anymore, but kind of ironically – the book I wrote became famous. <laughs> so it was, it was sort of interesting. I gave up working for a famous company to go out into the big, scary world of being an entrepreneur. But at the same time, this book I wrote became the big, famous thing. Um, and, um, and, and so it really, what it really taught me is that, gosh, you know, why worry about someone else's fame, in other words, the name of a company on your business card, when you can create something. And my gosh, if I can do it, anyone can do it. You can create something that can become well-known in the market and that can drive 
your reputation in a way that's even more powerful than the fact that some big company at one point hired you. And now, David, you've created many amazing things. And I really want to drill down to ground zero because right now there are a lot of people that are listening that are driving to their corporate job, that are sitting in a cubicle, that are looking for ways to break out like you successfully broken out. So take us down to that point. You were let go. So it was forced upon you in some way. The, the economy was horrible. You couldn't find another job in your industry. What did you do? You went back, you talked to your wife, she encouraged you to take this leap. What was step one, two, and three that really got you up and moving in the right direction? Well, what, um, what really got me going, and in fact, what I recommend to anybody who's, um, who, who's either um, in the process of this journey or thinking about this journey, journey is that Your online reputation is probably the most important asset that you have personally, and then if you start a business, also for the business. And I realized that really quickly, that um, when people um, decide whether they're going to work with me um, for whatever it is, they're going to check me out on the web. And this this was even true way back in 2002. I mean, that was 11 years ago. And even then... People would, would, would go, to, I mean, we didn't have a LinkedIn, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have those things, but people would still go to the web and see who is this guy that I, that I might want to do business with. So um, what worked for me and what works for lots of entrepreneurs that I've seen um, succeed is that um, I spent the early part of my, um, uh, my running my own thing I would spend not cold calling people for work, you know, not um, uh, not trying to um, make busy busy work in my little office. But I just spent time creating content. Um, I wrote um, uh, sort of what we might not now call white papers and research reports. I wrote a blog. Uh, wrote, uh, I wrote um, my website um, in two thousand and four. I started a blog, and that was pretty early. Uh, there actually really wasn't any blogging software much before that. Um, people didn't really know what blogs were much before that, or I probably would have done it earlier. Uh, I started Twitter when it um, started very soon after it started uh, in 2008. So um, all of the things that I was focused on and all the things that, for me, allowed me to be successful in what I was doing um, directly led back to the fact um, that I was focused on creating the things that if people visited my little website that they would say, oh, yeah, this guy sounds like what he's talking about. At least we should do is take the meeting. Um, and, you know, it goes back to the, the quote I shared, on the web you are what you publish. And I lived that um, idea even before I had articulated in that. I lived that idea when I started my business. Love that. And, David, let's now go to the other end of the spectrum. You've shared with us the reason why you – took your leap into the entrepreneurial world and the early successes you had from it, what was an aha moment you had at some point during your journey, this idea that just hit you? And specifically, what steps did you take when you had that aha moment to turn it into a success? Well, the main thing that I hit upon, and it was about 2004 that I did. So recall, I started my business in 2002, which was about nine months after 9-11. That's when I started uh, doing my own thing. Um, About a year and a half after that, maybe uh, maybe two years after that, I came up with this idea 
And I since call it, I saw a pattern that no one else saw. I, I saw like in the clouds, in, the, in, in my dreams, in, 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 in everything I was seeing and everything what I was, that I was reading in my discussions with people, I saw a pattern that I didn't hear anyone else talking about. The pattern was this, that marketing on the web is really about content creation. And uh, I felt like I had a unique perspective to be able to see this pattern because my corporate jobs, all of them, were in information companies. I worked in an economic consulting company. I worked at a a newspaper company. I worked at uh, a news aggregator. So I spent 15 years in the information business. And uh, in all of those 15 years, I was a marketing guy. So um, the pattern I saw was crystal clear to me that, oh, my gosh, the new world of marketing is not about doing newspaper ads and TV ads and not about spending all kinds of money. It's about creating content for free on the web. And I felt like I I just had this aha moment, as you call it, and, and as I call it, I saw a pattern no one else saw. And that's when I started writing about these ideas. And I initially wrote about the ideas in my blog, then I started to write an ebook. I call it the New Rules of, P- of PR. And then um, that ebook directly led to a publishing agreement with Wiley, who's the largest business book publisher in the U.S. And that eventually came my book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR. So, so um, this idea that when you see a pattern that no one else sees, when you see an opportunity that no one else sees, when it just becomes crystal clear in your own mind that you've got something that no one else has got. Um, my, my aha moment was, my gosh, I have to take advantage of this. I have to build something around this. And what I built was a book. I mean, I could conceivably have built a company. My friend Brian Halligan is the CEO of HubSpot. At the very same time he w- I was seeing these patterns, he was seeing the patterns. This is back in 05, 06. He started a company called HubSpot to, to build software around the very same idea that I wrote a book around. And now Brian's company, HubSpot, um, is uh, something like 80, 80 million in revenue, something like that. He's uh, got 700 employees or something like that, all around the same idea for patterns and uh, an entrepreneur in a very d- in, in a very different way than I am and that he built a company around it. So, gosh, when you see a set of patterns that no one else sees, that is your opportunity and it doesn't happen that often. Totally. So, David, you saw this pattern and you started applying its principles. What was the tipping point that everybody else seemed to be catching on and you're like, wow, not only did I see this pattern and I implemented the strategies, but now it's working? Well, that was actually three or four years later. Because I wrote the book in 0506. It came out originally in the first edition of 07. And um, people were very skeptical about the book. Hmm. Uh, in, in the first couple, of, in the first edition, it did okay, but didn't do great. Um, there were a lot of people who loved the book, but um, a, lot, a lot of people who dismissed it as, as just new, uh, new, newfangled nonsense. And it was especially true of the traditional advertising and public relations communities who, uh, you know, who had a lot to lose if the ideas that I wrote about were true. But then a couple of years later, about in 2009, it started, the ideas actually started to catch on a lot more. And in 2009, it it was the first time it ever hit the Business Week bestseller list and it actually stayed on the list for more than a year. And then my sales picked up and the book sales were a lot stronger than they were in the beginning. So 
I'm fortunate in that I saw those patterns before. Not, not only did I see the patterns before almost anybody else except Brian Halligan and a few others, I actually wrote about them before anybody else. And then in 2009 and 2010, other people started to write about the ideas. And now I bet you there's a thousand books on this topic <laughs> that, have, that have been written and, and, and you know, thousands of blogs about this topic uh, that, have been writ- that are being written and that's great, um, but you look back and, and where you know where the ideas first came from. And I'm not claiming that I was that people are are are, are copying my ideas at all. But the idea that I saw the patterns first, and I actually saw them a little bit too early. You know that it was almost too early, but fortunately um, it caught on, and then fortunately I had updated the book a couple of times since then. So, David, Fire Nation is made up of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, small business owners. If you could just boil down all of those golden nuggets you were sharing with us into one clear lesson, what would it be? The ways that an entrepreneur can generate attention for his or her business have radically changed in just a few years. It used to be, even, even just five or six or seven years ago, it used to be that you had to either spend a lot of money to generate attention. You, know, you had to spend money on advertising. Uh, you had to um, you know, do newspaper ads or television ads or, or you had to uh, exhibit at the, the, the big expensive trade shows or whatever it is. Um, or you had to hire a public relations agency to help get your ideas into the mainstream media, magazines, radio, television, newspapers. And or you had to hire uh, a team of salespeople. And while those things can still work, and I'm not dismissing them as bad, and if they're working in your entrepreneurial organization, what I'm not saying is, dis- is to stop doing it. But, but it is true that when people are trying to solve their problems or looking for companies to do business with their products to buy, they go to search engines. And it all, it's also true that they ask their friends and colleagues and family members online. So there's no question in my mind that entrepreneurs – um, are best focused when they're trying to generate attention for their, their, their fledgling businesses around content creation. I actually spoke last week in Buenos Aires to a group of um, 450 global um, entrepreneurial CEOs of companies all over the world. And there, it was amazing to be able to have 450 people. All of them have started um, really interesting companies. And they, I think they represented like 30 or 40 different countries in this one place in Buenos Aires. And they just absolutely love this concept that you no longer have to spend money to generate attention for a business. Now, again, if it's working for you, cool. I'm not telling you not to. But Gosh, you can generate attention for your business just by having the better content than what's already out there in the product category that you've built something around. I love that mentality, David. I literally have tried to apply it at Entrepreneur on Fire since day one, and I've seen so many people that are currently having success that are applying just those principles. And it's great to see. It's great to see the opportunities. And what I want to do with us now is bring things to present time because you have a lot of exciting things going on. You just shared what was going on in Buenos Aires. And, you know, very shortly you're going to be in Antarctica giving a speech. I mean, incredible things. If you could just share with Fire Nation one thing right now that's really exciting you today, what would that be? You know, it's interesting to me today is that the idea of, of, content 
which we've talked about, you know, most of the time we've been together um, on this on this podcast. The idea of content is a very strong tool for generating attention. I'm not really interested in the idea of how content is also a really interesting tool for making sales and for servicing existing customers. So in other words, putting this a different way, um, when you think about what marketing is, marketing is how a company or a person can reach many people at once. Um, so if I do a blog post and I push it out there, you know, a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand people can see my blog post and that serves to market my business or bar- or market me personally. Um, but this, but now it's been become increasingly interesting to me how that same blog post, if it's targeted individually to one person, can help to drive one person into and through the sales process so that they, they go from someone who's never heard of you to someone who actually is a user and a buyer of your product. So I've been doing um, a bunch of research recently on the idea of how these ideas of content creation also apply not only to to generating attention from the marketing perspective, but also to actually being a component of how an organization sells to get to the point where someone pulls out their credit card num- uh, number or you know signs a contract. So David, can you just kind of drill down into that a little bit? Because I'm kind of fascinated. When somebody hears about your name or your brand, you, know, you want them to have an experience with you and to go into a funnel of sorts. Yeah. What would that look like high speed? You're right. So there's a funnel of some sort. Some you know, people call it the sales funnel, whatever you want right. to call it. But what happens, um, so I do a blog post. I push it out there. People maybe who are searching on a, a related topic find my blog post or somebody shares it on LinkedIn or whatever. People find the blog post. And then you know, maybe a 1,000 people read it. And maybe for three people, this is really important stuff. And so then maybe that person will go to another one of my blog posts and maybe they'll go to a a third blog post and maybe they'll then watch one of my videos. Well, um, using analytics today, it's possible to capture the idea that this one individual is all of a sudden consuming a certain type of content on my site. From that, I could potentially deduce hey, this person is, is, is conceivably interested in doing business with me for this reason, for X and Y and Z. And it's possible for me then, if that person reaches out, or even if I want to become proactive, to um, create a dialogue with them where I already anticipate what it is that they're interested in and how they're interested in it. And in real time, I can draw them from someone who's just you know, sort of kicking the tires, browsing to someone who's actually um, evaluating products and services to potentially buy them. And that's just one example of it. Um, But it's the idea that content not only serves as your uh, marketing to generate attention at the top of the sales funnel, but also can serve as a tool of sales that can draw people uh, from the middle to the bottom of the sales funnel. Now, this is the kind of stuff that really excites me, David, because it can turn a casual visitor into a raving fan and evangelist just because you're giving them the opportunity to consume more of what they want as they're going down the line. And in today's busy world, somebody that jumps on a site, they love it, they might resonate with it, gets distracted and never comes back. But if you have that funnel in place, if you have these steps that are just lined out, you can just do a 
great job building this really raving audience so much quicker with so much more focus and energy. And That's exactly right. And then the other aspect of it that really excites me is that it's free. <laughs> now, now, of course, it's, a, it's an effort to create content. As you know, you do a podcast every day. I mean, right. it's not just a half an hour podcast, but you have to prepare, you have to book guests, you have to do your research. You know, it's, it's a challenge to do a podcast, but it's free and, and, uh, or nearly free. And um, think about how much it would cost if you were spending money in advertising to generate interest from the same, uh, the same group of people. So um, to me, it's really exciting that, you know, it's almost like we've liberated ourselves from the tyranny of having to spend money to generate attention for our businesses and then to make sales. And what I love about it is everybody wins because what you're doing is creating great content, great value to help and then everything just falls into place afterwards. And David, this is the kind of stuff that I love to talk about and I could continue to talk about all day, but we're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors and get back into it. When I launched Entrepreneur on Fire, I still had a lot to learn about podcasting and running an online business. With a lot of research and networking, I managed to teach myself how to get started and build strong relationships with others in my industry who have been there to help me. But there are some things people can't teach you, things you have to figure out yourself. Example, with so much of our communication taking place online, I never thought about having a phone number where people could reach me. However, as EO Fire grew, I saw the need arise. Let's face it, everyone has their own preferred way of communication. So I went to eVoice and got my own toll-free number. Thanks to eVoice, I was able to set up my voicemails to be automatically transcribed and sent to my email. My clients get to make the call, and I get to read the email. It's a win-win. Go to eofire.com slash sponsors and click on the eVoice link to get your 30-day free trial. That's eofire.com slash sponsors. Get your 30-day free trial today. So now it's time for my favorite part of the interview. And that's the lightning round, because this is where I get to ask you a series of questions. And you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Your opinion if it's (laughs) mind-blowing. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Fear. No question. I... I was scared of it. I, I thought I needed to have the, the corporate cocoon and the corporate teat to suck off of. <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received? My dad told me when I was in high school, believe it or not, that the best thing that he did and the best thing he recommended to me was to learn how to speak in front of, in, in front of a group, whether it was of giving a speech to a couple hundred people or just being able to speak in front of a small, in a, at a small meeting. Love that. Can you share one of your personal habits, David, that you believe contributes to your success? I am an early bird. I mean, and when I'm talking, I'm an early bird. I'm a radical early bird. I'm usually up at between usually 3.30 and 4 in the morning. I um, then exercise. I actually check email and check social, then exercise. Uh, I'm in my office very early most mornings. I then eat lunch extremely early. It's now quarter to 11 and I'm freaking starving already. <laughs> um, I, I, I then go home pretty early. I'm usually home 4.30 or 5. Um, my wife and I eat dinner really early. I go to bed really early. I'm in bed is sometimes as early as 8, but typically no later than 9 o'clock at night. And that 
doing everything early, 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 early has worked for me for as long as I've been an entrepreneur. Love it. Yeah, I'm here on the West Coast and I now for three months have been doing a 5 a.m. hard time wake up. I was in the army for eight years, so I can definitely do the morning thing. I'm used to it and I do the nice 5 a.m. wake up power walk right here in the San Diego Bay to get the blood flowing. Then I sit down and my mornings, David, are so much more productive now. Absolutely. Well, and when you're in the West Coast... You can sort of work East Coast time, and then you still have a couple hours to go surfing or do whatever you like to do in the <laughs> afternoon. You just found me out. <laughs> David, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're in love with that you can share with our listeners? I don't really for my personal productivity. I, I love Instagram. Um, it's, it's sort of – it's not a productivity tool by any means, but it's kind of a – um, uh, a karma kind of um, uh, just good for my soul kind of tool. I love making images with Instagram. I share them out, so it's part of my social networking, but I do it mainly for myself. Nice. Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we've been talking about in today's episode at eofire.com slash David Meerman Scott. And David, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? I read um, an, a very, very early draft of a book that's not out yet, but I really liked it. I offered a great endorsement for the book. It's called Power Cues, C-U-E-S, Cues. Uh, it won't be out for another couple of months. It's by Dr. Nick Morgan, and it talks about the uh, nonverbal communications that's very, very important um, for whether you're giving a speech or you're in a meeting or the, in the dating world or whatever it is, but it talks about nonverbal communications. So um, although that book isn't, isn't out yet, um, you can follow um, Nick Morgan on Twitter, Dr. Nick Morgan, and he's got a great blog. Um, and, uh, and, and that book, uh, is going to rock when it comes out in a couple of months. Nice. And what is the approximate date that you're thinking? I think it's in the March time frame, but I bet if we go to Amazon, we could find out uh, exactly when it's going to be. Perfect. Well, the beautiful thing about podcasts is that they're evergreen. So many of you that are listening to this now, it's probably past March of 2014. So this book is available. If it's not, like David said, just follow Dr. Nick Morgan on Twitter and you will be updated to this great book, Power Cues. And Fire Nation, I know you love audio, so if you do want an audiobook now, go to eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. You can get one audiobook from audiobooks.com for free. David, this next question's the last question of the lightning round, and it's my favorite, but it is kind of a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I've already built up the entire podcast to the answer, and it right. should be pretty, pretty obvious <laughs> to what I would do. I mean, there's no question. I would start to create content. I would probably start a blog and a Twitter feed right away. And I would just jump into establishing my personal brand online right away, um, which is so easy. And, and by the way, I don't need to spend any of your 500 bucks to do so. It is so true. So exciting. And David, I have so enjoyed hearing your journey. And thank you for sharing the inspiring challenges, obstacles, failures, aha moments along the way. 
Give Fire Nation just one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Thanks, John. I appreciate yeah. it. And thanks, thanks for what you're doing um, for entrepreneurs. It's a huge resource. Um, here's a, a couple things that you can do. Um, I have an ebook called The New Rules of Viral Marketing. So just go to Google, type in the phrase viral marketing. You'll find it on the very first page. Uh, it's completely free, and I don't even ask for registration. Um, that's the best way to find me and also have some uh, information you might be able to use at the same time. Ah, that free, incredibly high valuable content to start that funnel, David. You are a man of your word. I love it. And listen, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything of value that we've mentioned in today's episode at eofire.com. You are hanging out in the podcast tab, in our archives, or Fire Nation, just type in the word David in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. David, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Fire Nation, have you seen the video I just created on FireNationElite.com yet? If not, I think you're going to want to see this. In this video, I talked about my passion for the new elite mastermind community we're creating, Fire Nation Elite. I'd love for you to visit the site and check out the video to learn more about Fire Nation Elite. Then, if you're interested, fill out an application and schedule your one-on-one 15-minute chat with me today. That's FireNationElite.com. Don't forget to go to the Sponsors tab at eofire.com. Click on eVoice for your free 30-day trial. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 